1: at 96. It's the film that makes you scared of heights. It's Vertigo.
0: Well, does it, it make you scared of heights? Or is it
1: the it'll make you scared, you scared to of... get out of the ocean.
2: Ah, okay. <laughs> I, I don't you. think I ever knew what this movie was about. <laughs> the first viewing for mark hi mark it's it's the first focused viewing where i paid full attention for the entire runtime just like our alfred hitchcock wanted one of the taglines for this was make sure to see it from beginning to end that makes sense what oh right because that wasn't whole, a
1: thing back then right
2: yeah it foreshadowed his whole like psycho thing where he was like you you will not let people in unless <laughs> they are here from the <laughs> beginning um Hi,
0: Luke. First time viewing? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, OK. I, I, this is in my film dork category. Um, I think I said North by Northwest how I got entranced by the Universal Studios uh, Art of Alfred Hitchcock and went obsessive in the 90s. Saw the 70 millimeter restoration of this in 1997 or whatever it was and have seen it probably like a good dozen times. Uh, did I say I'm mad? If I didn't, I just did. Joining us yeah, today, are. film archivist, Dorian Bowen. She knows more about how these things are made than we do and how they're preserved. And this this is an interesting, I guess, preservation story, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, well, it also, I mean, it went out of distribution for almost three decades with uh, four other films. So the five lost Hitchcocks were, um, let's see, in order of appearance. Uh, Rope from 1948, Rear Window from 54, The Man Who Knew Too Much from 56. Oh, sorry, I skipped the trouble with Harry, 55, and then Vertigo's 58. So those five films became reavailable in the mid 1980s, but for a really good chunk of time there, they were not.
0: So. Yeah, I seem to That's... remember that Universal Studio thing like, here's cool rear window stuff, but you can't actually watch the movie.
3: <laughs> right. And I That's think that Vertigo, Rear Window, and uh, Rope, especially, like sort of benefited from that absence. Like, I mean, we'll probably talk about how Vertigo wasn't received very well when it first came out, and Hitchcock immediately blamed James Stewart for being too old and Kim Novak for not acting well enough. But you know, over time, people appreciate it a lot more. And you know, sometimes being being unable to see something makes appreciation grow.
2: The, the weird thing about Kim Novak's performance to me was that she actually was great as the as judy the second lady but was Mm. like a little phoned in at the beginning but that made complete sense considering who she was playing because she was playing someone who was playing someone
1: yeah if you told me that was a deliberate choice that she was meant to be a little cold and distant because she's playing a role i would have 100 percent bought it so it's got shot himself in the foot
0: there how do you kind get of. how do you how do you do that? Do you go to like central casting of San Francisco and be like, I, I need I need someone and I'm, I'm gonna fake a murder? Please send
2: a girl over. I think if you're rich, you could do anything you want. You could just be like, here's fifty thousand dollars. Get me someone who looks like my wife to <laughs> to a guy, to one of your henchmen.
1: Well um, it might be a case that he didn't have the idea until he saw her.
3: Right. that's That's a prequel that we should that should be made i mean how did gavin get her to begin with
0: they could have like a training montage of like music like as she's learning (laughs) to to play the role
2: well this (laughs) is my fair lady
1: but it's all building up to a murder oh (laughs) yeah it
2: is kind of like my fair murder lady um so i mean dorian you could join in on this even though you weren't we've this is a weird one because it's the first time we've done one director twice and they're two consecutive movies. And it's really early in the life of this podcast. Uh, does everyone like this or North by Northwest better? Just raw.
1: I don't know if I like one better, but it's weird to watch them this way around.
2: Yeah. Backwards. Because North
1: by Northwest is kind of a spoof of this. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I um personally like Vertigo better a lot. It's exquisite trash. I love it. It's like, I love the, uh, I love like murder thriller stuff.
0: I think that's the first time anyone's called Vertigo exquisite trash, but sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, so. It reminds me of De Palma, or maybe De Palma reminds me of it. But yes. yes.
0: We're gonna screen Vertigo in my house probably this weekend or next weekend, because as I was showing y'all, I just got the set with the Japanese subtitles, which my family needs. But we did do Psycho and North by Northwest, and I asked them which one they liked better. And both of my my wife and daughter went for Psycho. Um They well, like your both, daughter, but... Dad. She's
1: a psychopath, right
0: <laughs> she... <laughs> <laughs> and, um...
1: she told me many times how she laughed when the guy died in the shining.'
0: <laughs> it's pretty funny um... <laughs> of course it is <laughs> but, yeah but um but the the thing that she said is, I can't believe the same guy directed both of these movies, and I was like, yeah, I'm back to back, whereas I guess north by Northwest and vertigo there is a little more of a through line. You can kind of tell the same guys behind the camera.
1: Yeah, yeah are, kind of, that's what I mean, but that's why it was weird to watch them this way around because the North by
0: Northwest was... Oh, Luke just turned himself oh. off.
1: I, I, I'm muted because I need to blow my nose, but I did it halfway through a sentence because I'm an idiot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll just pretend so, you blew your nose halfway through the sentence. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, no, yeah, so he... You know what i was saying. I'm going to go blow my nose.
2: Okay, Luke's blowing
0: his nose and then he's going to do a summary
1: San Francisco detective John Ferguson, Johnny to his friends and Scotty to his acquaintances, is forced to quit the police after a terrible fool leaves him physically injured and mentally scared of heights. Old college friend Gavin Elster hires John to stalk his wife, Madeline, claiming that she's been possessed by a ghost. John follows Madeline and decides that she's become psychologically obsessed with an old relative and suicidal. He saves her from jumping in the San Francisco Bay, and the two fall in love. But he's unable to save her from jumping off a church roof. Apoplectic, it takes him years to recover. When he finally meets some identical lookalike, and begins obsessively redressing her as Madeline, it turns out this was the woman he fell in love with, in a scheme to create a fake version of Gavin's wife and the perfect witness. Eventually, Scotty puts it together, chases her to the top of a tower, and in a twilight zone ending. She screams and falls out the window.
0: Yep, you never get near windows.
3: <laughs> that was a very succinct all my seven pages. You covered all the things. That was very good.
0: Every everything's covered now. Let's do a little bit on the or a lot on the actors. I guess this is sort of a, a lot on the actors. Uh Dorian, something you said, which as soon as you said it has already always been on my mind with this movie. Jimmy Stewart is too old. And Cary Grant was too old in North by Northwest. They're both too old in these movies.
2: Yes, absolutely. It was a rea- it was this thing where he did a weird reaction. And also they're they're not just too old, but they're more too old when you put them next to 25, 26 year old actresses yeah and i'm not saying they're not good i mean jimmy stewart's
0: greatness no, it's just it's a yeah, it's a it's kind of i don't know i think both cary grant and jimmy stewart like their classic scream personas did rely a fair amount on youthfulness which is i don't know i guess it's interesting yeah. i um yeah it's
2: like <laughs> well, what's really I want... weird is
1: he's like 14 years older than midge and she's another 10 years older than madeline so
2: it's yeah. I don't entirely buy him as someone who everyone is obsessed with and in love with in this <laughs> in this context. I kept putting in my notes, just come on, go with Midge. She's great. She likes <laughs> you. She's she's very helpful. But no. after this, didn't.
3: Hitchcock didn't work with Stuart again. He said he was too old yeah. and then he didn't work with him again. So this is really the end of their relationship. H- Hitchcock yeah. and Stuart I mean.
2: We saw a little bit on the trivia of north by northwest where it was like he sort of passive not passive aggressively what do you call it he um sort of manufactured a situation where he didn't have to tell jimmy stewart he didn't want to work with him on, on north by northwest and i mean i don't think that i don't think that jimmy stewart would have worked at north by northwest i still think that's the case hmm. but he did cast someone is, older older yes <laughs> and and more awkward in his uh romance scenes in that film i think
0: Than jimmy stewart is here but now that we got that that boulder pushed out of the way i i do like how they're using because jimmy stewart is generally you know like everybody's buddy on the camera you know he's the, like you know tom hanks these days right this jimmy stewart mm-hmm. back in the day but you can effectively you know like weaponize them sometimes like in this or the man who shot liberty Valance, where it's like you Because you really want to identify with this guy, but this guy is such a creep.
3: (laughs) Yeah, like I've seen this movie probably a half a dozen times, and I've seen it over the course of decades. And I actually felt more sympathetic toward him this time than I have in previous. Because what I remember from it was that he was this misogynist that was obsessed and wanted to make this woman into a version of her visually that wasn't who she was. But on the other hand, Mm. like, I kind of sense more desperation from him this time. And like his, mm. you know, Stuart's mental fragility is like a lot more believable and sympathetic when I watched it this time. And in a way it sort of works with his age, his sort of middle-aged. But like, I, I don't know, I came away with it with a little bit more like, I kind of get it because, you know, there was a lot of build up to him being so desperate to recapture this relationship. And also, you know, Kim Novak, who was like the innocent victim last time I watched it, is still like an accomplice to the murder and she Mm. also could have walked away when he found her she writes that note the movie could have ended you know she could have gone away and he would have had his answer but she like doubled down and was like no our relationship based on lies it could work like i'm gonna stick around and see if he'll love me for me so like well she also could
1: have just told him
3: Right, but she basically was going to go through another manipulation of tricking him so that they could still be together. But, like, what plan was that? So, I don't know. Yes, I think he is creepy, and when he gets into the let's dye your hair, it can't matter to you moment, like, that's, you know, that's too far. But I just felt like I could kind of see why he was so desperate by then, because he'd been manipulated by literally everyone in the story except for me. It
2: was really interesting.
1: What they do is terrible, but they're still sympathetic in the way they're characterized which i think is what makes it so entertaining to watch
2: if they
0: really wanted to make it realistic she would have went off and become the princess of monaco but uh
2: i mean (laughs) maybe maybe when she falls out of the tower at the end she does that um i think it was really interesting to me how judy was sort of the toughest character in this film but then just absolutely just Fell into doing everything that Scotty told her to towards the end, mm. where she was just like really suspicious and kind of like reaching for the the phone when he was kind of sneak kind of creeping up on her. But then she folds so quickly. It's, it was really fascinating because we've all met people like that, right? Who are like the the tough the tough facade goes away so quickly.
1: Mm. Well, yeah. talking of him sneaking and creeping. One thing I did note watching like the first half of the film where he's like tailing her, it's so interesting that this film obviously is, you know, nearly what, 60, 70 years old. People have become so much more literate in that that idea that the way that he's literally just following her car directly behind, making <laughs> no effort to hide, stopping right with whereas these days, if you had a scene of someone tailing in the film, they'd make a point of like. Oh, they go past them and park around the corner and stuff like that. But I guess audiences in 1958, they weren't used to watching this, so they didn't think that deeply about it.
0: Well, there's also kind of the uh, dream logic of this movie, you know, and the kind, I mean, the the driving scenes are extremely dreamy, you know. But also,
1: knowing the twist, it might be that she was just 100% aware he was tailing her the whole time, because that was her plan anyway.
0: So he he, he is just terrible.
1: He is just terrible
3: at it. <laughs> She's luring him. And so yeah. that's why she, he was perfectly timed when she jumps in the bay that he was there to catch her because he, yeah. she knew he was there.
0: So Yeah, so it, it was partly that um partly that he was a bad cop while he pr- retired as well. If this is how he's tailing people on a regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he let
2: a guy fall off the roof. I mean, he let a few people fall off the roof, actually. That's sort of his whole thing. Yeah, yeah, do not get
0: around this guy on a roof. You're going to die. <laughs> it should have been yeah, called like, fall. Fall is one
1: thing, but when three people have fallen off roofs around. You you have to start wondering <laughs> if you have a problem.
2: That's a pattern. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Rod Serling over here. Um but but yeah, um it's it's also was notable that he was wearing this very suspicious like Dick Tracy outfit the mm-hmm. most of the beginning of the film. Which, like, that was almost a parody of something, but... You can't get a guy guy out
0: of a suit and fifty Hitchcock. Sorry, it's a little Altman-esque overtalk.
1: Yeah, it is probably a little subtle joke. It's just that in a modern film, they would feel the need to, like, hang something on it and point it out. One of the characters would have a little line, like, you idiot, you're dressed like an undercover cop. But I guess, you know, Hitchcock didn't feel the need to do that.
3: Actually, his outfits are pretty standard for a bachelor in the 50s. I think I read that he had like a blue suit, a blue- brown suit, a gray suit and something else. So that that was a pretty common run of the mill bachelor attire for the era. But I didn't pick up on that. So maybe I'm just too accustomed to watching films of this era.
1: Whereas here I have a 32 year old man in a Nintendo T-shirt. So I can't comment <laughs> on anyone's fashion.
0: Oh, hey, I got my jacket here. I could get I could get slightly 50s class, I guess. But I, I'm also I'm, already ready to go to work. So <laughs> I'm
2: wearing one of I'm wearing one of twelve identical black T-shirts from Target.
0: <laughs> How much were they? What kind of deal did you get uh, on the black probably T-shirt? Probably
2: like three bucks each or something. Okay, I guess that's cool. I just went through a phase where I'm like, I'm wearing a black shirt at all times with no logo.
0: Yeah, I just got like I don't want to think about ties and stuff, and everything goes black, right? So
2: yeah, just say Steve Jobs if anybody asks steve jobs yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't want to I don't him. think about it he's, yeah, he's great right? <laughs> great guy uh, great father how, um <laughs> anyway how about um, kim
0: novak as a performance because hitchcock apparently didn't like it he he wanted grace <laughs> kelly back but yeah he wasn't going to get that for a little while longer
2: as a whole i thought she was fantastic like it took me that i had to watch the whole thing to understand it but yeah she i thought she did great it seems yeah, she like we said of... earlier,
1: if there is a part where she was stiff, I think it's safe to say that was a, a choice.
0: Yeah, I, I I couldn't think tell what she was and, saying uh, sometimes. The bug in Hitchcock's craw might have been more like because uh, I think she was party girling around at the time, which his other mm. starlets were not doing so much of. She was like the you know she was Lindsay Lohan in a little bit, right? Maybe not that
2: bad, but <laughs> I, I think Hitchcock was kind of weird about people sometimes. Yeah. Just <laughs> maybe
3: say that's
2: it yeah it's like the whole thing where he delayed the filming of north by northwest so he didn't have to tell jimmy stewart that he wanted to use cary grant it's like that's that's pretty weird i mean i guess we have to talk about
0: vera miles a little bit who is originally going to be the uh the star the lead of this film and uh to the point where they had actually made the carlotta painting with vera miles face on it but
1: uh, uh is that why they threw in the little gag
0: it was, yeah, yeah it was she a, had... that
3: was a different painting. There was actually <laughs> a funny. Funny. yeah lot ah, yeah. the Mitch painting, the real painting, and the Vera Mills, Miles, Miles, Mills.
0: Miles. I saw his Miles. I don't know, but uh, okay. yeah, but I, I could be wrong. I've just seen it, Miles. Right, right? I, I it.
3: think you're right,
0: but yeah, yeah, she had the, the nerve to get pregnant, so yeah.
3: So I heard that either it was that she got pregnant and they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess we won't do it. Or it was a convenient excuse that she got pregnant because I heard also that Hitchcock was having doubts about her as well. So who knows? Um, But for one of those reasons. I also heard that uh, Audrey Hepburn had been considered or she was interested and Marilyn Monroe was somewhat interested. But Hitchcock didn't want her overshadowing his film with her fame, which sounds a lot like Mm -hmm. him. So those
0: are the other potential people I had heard in that role. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, Vera got the consolation prize of, you know, the, of being the lady who does not get killed in psycho, but is is not as
2: well known. So. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I don't think Marilyn Monroe would have been the right choice here, but it would have been interesting. It's like in
0: 2023, it's, it's hard to even conceive of what her acting is, you know, like, cause she's, she's such an icon at this point. Like we went to this, uh, American themed yaki curry restaurant, yaki curry being a food that you would not get in America, but whatever. But is yeah, yeah like yakitori, you, but curry. Um, I I can show a picture, but it's basically you know it's in a black uh, cast iron pot, and you know, yeah, it's real, it's real good. good. It just it's the place is America themed, but it's like. You know, <laughs> of course. it doesn't make any sense, but uh, that, you know, it's all photos of like James Dean and Marilyn Monroe, right? Because she's to such a, both of them are to an like such an iconic status. It's icons and not actors. It's hard to mm-hmm. see. You watch Rebel Without a Cause or Seven Year Itch or something. I like, go, oh, it's weird watching them actually
2: moving and talking and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I've seen James Dean in anything, to be honest. That's my point. <laughs> there aren't a lot well, of. He's films only made he did, three
3: right? movies yeah there's, three. there's giant rebel without a cause and uh uh you know the something other else
2: <laughs> <laughs> like i've seen i've seen kurt cobain in more movies than that yeah yeah All well, so, documentaries but still um
3: east of eden oh my god i'm sorry i passed out there east of eden hmm. giant and rebel without a <laughs> cause i don't know what order they're in but those are the three feature films hmm
0: um, I guess this is a, a Dorian only question. How would Grace Kelly have worked in this role, do you think? She seems a little too light for this I mean, not light as in like she's like, you know, silly or anything. Just she's kind of, that maybe to catch the thief frothiness doesn't seem like a good fit.
3: Frothy is a good word. I think so. I mean, I really like her in Rear Window too, but it just, you know, I think that, that Novak had that grittiness to be Judy in a way that, I don't know, Maybe maybe Grace Kelly would have liked it, but it seems like Novak was a good fit
0: for the dual role. Yeah, she seems more mm. like someone who might have murder in her heart, or at least uh, accomplished <laughs> murder in her heart.
2: I well, think Between the I,
0: performance
1: and the look, it did—it it, it wasn't immediate that I knew it was the same actress.
2: That was what I was going to say, was that from watching this in the past, not paying attention, I'm pretty sure I thought that was a different woman. Mm. Like, <laughs> I, that's why I said I don't think I knew what this movie was about. I thought it was about... <laughs> jimmy stewart becoming obsessed with somebody making them dress up like somebody else and 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 getting vertigo a whole bunch well, there wasn't a whole lot of vertigo it it's not there wrong, wasn't, there, but there's more to yeah. it yeah <laughs> there wasn't as much vertigo in this movie as i remembered there being oh but there's <laughs> the vertigo effect which
0: is just fantastic that's one of my favorite things ever
2: yeah it's mm. awesome i think that, that i mean that directly goes to jaws right that's her connection to jaws is that yes, effect sure. Yeah, that, sure. That, the whatever you call it, the focusing and pulling at the same time. Yeah, there's a the guy invent. This was invented here. This is the first mm-hmm. use of it. I think the word- yeah.
3: Apparently, that was a nineteen thousand dollars shot. That stairwell shot to wow. set that up, and to only have a few seconds of screen time. But it is a pretty, you know, crucial thing. So when everybody talks about the jaw shot, it's really this was that and then later they called it the judge shot because it was a little bit you know less intensive at that point but it's the same effect
0: as mark said it's interesting that there's so many like extreme visual sequences uh to you know credited to like distinct people in this movie right because hitchcock and his uh, cinematographer probably more cinematographer were doing that you know Saul bass is doing the credits and um i i forget the name but the the weird breakdown sequence is is credited to someone as basically being the mastermind like in the opening credits so
1: yeah i noticed in the opening credits it said like special sequence and i was like when it came up i was like oh it's the special sequence i was promised so (laughs) it looks like (laughs) chuck
2: jones almost it looked like chuck jones but more expensive (laughs) um yeah that was okay this did kind of confuse me because he was in the hospital the doctor said he's not coming out of this for a year and then it mm-hmm. cuts to him just running around and nobody else, <laughs> no other characters from the film ever show up. So jump cut. Is that, is that is there a reason for that? Is that explained, or are we just supposed to is it supposed to be like vague and we don't know? Uh
0: I'll okay. I I I read the making of a book uh, before this podcast. I read half of the original novel. Mm-hmm. Um so the original novel is based the, the first segment is in like nineteen forty France. The big thing is like uh, he's like 40 years old or whatever. He's like, do I, need, do I have to join the military? Kind of just like walk around smoking cigarettes and uh, and, and uh, eating baguettes and that, that sort of thing? And, you know, the war comes. So the war is the demarcation line. So he runs back into um, the lady with a different name in the book, but he runs into her in the 50s. So it's clear that it's pre-war, post-war. Mm. Paris, right? Whereas obviously that doesn't really work with San Francisco. So if there was a flaw in the adaptation, it, it's that. But the reason I only read half the book is I got the flavor, and when reading the book, it was so informed by the visuals, it was like hard for me to kind of like like from the movie, right? Like it was hard for me to even figure out if I was reading a good book or or just a mediocre book because I'm just seeing right. the movie in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that uh, the the uh, he's he's not Johnny in the in the book he has a French name that i've also forgotten but he's he's a lot nastier like the the first 30 pages you're like this is like a proto incel or something (laughs) like he doesn't he doesn't have he doesn't have barbabel around you know he doesn't he was a creation for the movie this guy is just like moping in his his apartment having just that
3: makes it a lot more sinister then that's interesting
0: and they make it clear like he's never really had a relationship so he's basically like yeah. uh, incel in his 40s in the book so there's no
1: equivalent of midge in the book
0: correct midge was added for sorry i said the actress's name and not not the character's name a minute ago
2: (laughs) he definitely i mean i unfortunately you know being a middle-aged person who's never like committed seriously to somebody for a, a long length of time i do see a little bit of myself in his situation but i would just date midge because midge is cool i don't know (laughs) that's the thing i don't understand the obsession part of it but that's the thing is i'm not an incel person i'm not an obsessive uh i don't know i'm not i'm not a cop we'll just say that (laughs) i think
1: we've all had situations where everyone's telling you you should date this person but you just don't feel it and then there's someone else you're obsessed with and everyone's telling you to get her but you do feel it her or him um and yeah, it, it is something that you meant to like try and fix, not just obsessively hunt someone down and make them into them, but...
3: see, yeah, The it obsession not. comes from the desperation, and it's about him. It's about him trying to regain control of the situation mm-hmm. that he's lost really from the beginning of the movie. He starts the movie without control. He gets manipulated. He loses something he actually cares about, and then it's about trying to recapture that and get that back, and that desperation just sort of grows. So I, I don't know. I kind of like... Like I said before, I, I sort of am more sympathetic to that this time than I was before because I think it it works together better than I remembered. I think it makes more sense. That buildup is it's about him trying to to get control back.
2: Yeah, it's a, a trauma, unaddressed trauma, because like he does talk about the vertigo. It like ruined his life, but he he immediately goes about just being like, oh, it's fine. huh? I'll be fine. I'm just going to, you know, travel. Or something and then that sort of makes its way into you could also be like oh vertigo is falling falling in love falling in love with a yeah the woman it's like that's a that's a great metaphor and i didn't put that together till the end of the movie well
3: vertigo like is an inner part. inner ear issue actually what he mm-hmm. has is that acrophobia and guilt and ptsd but the vertigo sounds uh-huh. cooler so the fact that they're like yeah. yeah my acrophobia is causing my vertigo that's not really how it works but Creative License and all
2: yeah i I kind of put that in my notes too It's like I don't know about that, but yeah vertigo's a cool name, friends like frenzy great great movie mm-hmm. titles psycho obviously um but yeah so his theory that- at the st- uh,
1: his theory at the start for how to fix it, I think is actually what you're supposed to do incrementally build closer to being okay with it um whereas yeah shock therapy is much more.
3: <laughs>
1: I guess it works for him in this case.
3: It does. Yeah, if, I, if I throw
1: enough people bay. off Bridget off roofs, I won't care anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's when he got yeah. his
3: control back. That's when he mm. was okay. It was finally he had he was onto her. He was forcing her up the stairs, and that's when he regained that control. Finally, for the first time in the movie, that's when suddenly he cured himself. And then we, they went up to the very top, and everything came crashing down, literally and figuratively again. But that's that was the control again.
2: It's the nuns fault. Blame religion. It's de- okay. Does anybody think did anybody see the nun and for like a split second were hope was hoping it was Hitchcock making a cameo as the nun? <laughs> like He'd already I made his like,
1: appearance. I, I thought
3: I it was
2: gonna it be Gavin up, and, was, and they'd
1: have a cool punch
2: up. So Oh yeah, that makes that also makes sense. I was like, who's this nun? And it was like, Oh, it's just a nun. It's like no, everything was fine. Well, they were she was even entering. willing. She was even willing to forgive him for, like, you know, uh, assaulting her and trying to force her up the tower. Ask
1: me that question again.
2: Uh, what the uh should the nun have been Hitchcock?
1: No, no. Who's that?
2: Who is what?
1: Who's that nun? Ask me again. Who's that nun? None. Your business.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) that uh, nun. You know. I actually was going to
1: ask. When was um. When was his book cameo? I didn't catch you in this one.
3: It's in the shipyard. I think it's like eleven minutes in. So as they, oh, yeah. as yeah, he's walking by.
2: It's such a good cameo. I missed it too, so don't feel bad. <laughs> I remember I, in North
1: by Northwest, the cameo is really early as well.
0: Oh yes, right at the end. Of, I think it's on his directing credit on that one with him missing the bus. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that one's I guess like, it's good kind of,
1: to get them out of the way early, so it's not like you spend the whole film looking for it.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I like.
2: I squealed with delight when the nun came out and she freaked out and ran away because that was just absolutely chaotic madness at the end. And that's like, that's it, we're done. The nun should have been played by Stan Lee. <laughs> I'd be like, jump out of this tower, true believer.
0: <laughs> How old was Stan Lee have been at this point? <laughs> like 35. He was working for Yeah, Marvel. I guess he would have been of a he, he hadn't created the, the, those characters yet. <laughs> It'd be a few years later, so <laughs> he was just a workaday weird dude. Weird choice, yeah. That would yeah, no, it should choice. have been.
2: it Should have been Cary Grant.
0: Um, then he, <laughs> then he Well, I think yeah. He, then he throws Jimmy Stewart a nun off the building, right? Wasn't he a nun in some yeah. movie? Wouldn't have been. His first I'm time. pretty
2: sure he was. I don't <laughs> remember exact Some like it hot. Was he a nun in that? He wasn't a no. nun. No. Somebody was a nun in that, that movie. Cross dressing. Nobody was a nun in that. Nobody was a nun in that. Okay. But there was cross-dressing right <laughs> yes absolutely okay, okay. checkmate tennessee <laughs> that one, um, that'll age terribly anyway
0: one thing this movie also does is i guess it seems to obsess plenty of other filmmakers um 12 monkeys has its vertigo sequences uh scorsese uh, obviously has gone over this chris marker right in San soleil there's like a Insanely long segment where he's just basically being a tourist in San Francisco and visiting spots in Vertigo. So
1: well the um the opening reminded me a lot of the opening of The Matrix.
0: Oh, and then yeah. later
1: on it does it does the scroll up the hotel later on as well. So I'm sure those are both deliberate references.
0: Yeah, okay. Some... Yeah. I didn't even go grab on that. So yeah, that's the point. Uh a lot of these things do kind of ripple out in, in other places, which is kind of kind of fun.
2: Well, I uh, IMDB told me that the st- Opening credits were the first use of CGI in film ever, like oh, those yeah. rotating rotating shapes. First CGI ever. Well,
3: also, um, and if you see Anatomy of a Murder, which also has James Stewart, and you recognize the sort of outline cutout of a man, it's the same one as Vertigo. So if you'll you'll see that graphic again for that film.
0: Yeah, because there's a and there's a weird companion movie, that, not companion movie, but. Basically, to get um, Kim Novak and James Stewart to work together, the, they had to make a studio deal. So, right around this time is is a movie, Bell Book and Candle, which isn't really. I mean, it's. I mean, it's not bad. It's not. It's just. It's just a movie, but also has like this weird obsessive thread. So it's like kind of a, a obsession duo for you know 1958 or whatever.
3: So Vertigo was released in May and Bell Book and Candle was released in on Christmas Day of that year. But yes, because she's a witch and she sort of she's the one in the control this time. So she sort of casts a spell on him because she doesn't like him and she wants to like him. So it's it's she gets her revenge in that in a way. But that's the other pairing of Novak and Stewart. And yeah, it was part of the Columbia Paramount deal for Novak to be loaned out to make them.
2: I'm uh, looking at some footage from it through IMDb and it looks really cool. I like the look of it mm-hmm. for what Me it's too. worth. I've never, never heard it's of it. It's whimsical.
3: Book. It's fun. And it's about witches. So that's kind of neat.
2: It looks but witchy. It's a cute
3: rom- yeah. It's a witchy romantic comedy. So very different tone.
0: Yeah. Okay. Outside of the special sequence, I guess you wouldn't call vertigo fun. <laughs> and you have to be a little weird to call that part fun too. So, but you know, <laughs> throw psychedelic images in my head and I'm, 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 I'm game.
3: It's compelling.
2: I love the dream sequence. I think that's really, that's neat. I think the the nun is fun. Nun nun is fun. Mm, Okay.
0: (laughs) But But that is, uh, I guess, the thing the whole movie is dreamy. You can just kind of sit there and let it like float along. You know, like it's -hmm. like the actors, like you said, partly coldness, but partly like nobody's really engaging. They're just drifting aimlessly through the movie, but that's kind of the point.
1: Yeah, there's some really long, slow sequences. Yeah. But it, I mean, it, it worked for the tone.
0: I mean, it's a because... blasphemy if I compare some of my love for Vertigo with my love for watching Driver's Ed films. There's like a through-thread there. Because <laughs> I think fair. there is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean the, the ones that teach you how to drive not the ones that show you the grisly accidents. <laughs> right. <laughs> that that one doesn't feel like so much like vertigo. Unless, unless they're driving the car off of a tower or out through a window then I guess there'd
2: be a you could connect that. Yeah. It's probably an educational video about like don't jump in San Francisco Bay. <laughs> or don't fall off a tower.
0: Oh, definitely don't fall off a tower. We used to don't watch of those. Don't fall off a tower. Yeah, you stupid. It's-
3: <laughs> that didn't exist. That tower was added visually to that mission, but the mission does not oh,
0: have that. Yeah.
2: That's really cool. I read somewhere that you could uh, you could go to the actual hotel until very recently, like they just closed it. Mm. But um, apparently a lot of the stuff still exists in San Francisco, but
3: yeah, San Francisco is sort of the biggest, most likable star of the whole movie, and there are a lot this, of things you can do. You can take the linear driving path that he did, and just it really is kind of a love letter of San Francisco.
1: This movie makes San Francisco and that area look gorgeous. I was watching it thinking, I want to visit that.
2: That's a lot <laughs> that like um, North by Northwest does for, I guess, mostly Mount Rushmore, but also New York, or maybe half and half for that. It's like it's really interesting how both of these are sort of like, look at how cool this shit looks. America looks cool, right? Used to. I will get, I have recently
0: had two film dork obsessions. Um, I've been watching a fair amount of Hitchcock because my, my family's digging it. And also on the Twilight Zone podcast, we're about to do the Buster Keaton episode. So I was like, ah, I'll go watch the Buster Keaton films on, on the 20s. They're all on YouTube. So a couple things, watching the Hitchcock, like my eyes can now just not unsee like rear projection. Um, this is a mm-hmm. North by Northwest, but when they're in the station, you could tell whenever they're no one's talking, it's it's on location. And then when people start talking, it becomes like, you know, on Blu-ray, it's pretty mm-hmm. obvious rear projection and same thing in, in vertigo. Uh, some of it's cool. Like they built the bookstore, but then they're filming the rear projections outside of uh, union square or whatever. And that's, that's pretty cool. But, um, then it, in, you know, watching the Buster Keaton stuff, they don't really have much of that, right? It's uh him like at, literally dodging boulders while running down hills and stuff, you know, like rear, he, rear he production started neck.
3: in in thirty four. So if you're in the twenties, that's okay. before it's got
0: implemented. But yeah, yeah, again, watching these Buster Keaton films, you do just start to realize, wait a minute, th- there aren't any. Well, there are a few special effects that are very good, but most of it is like they just like drove out twenty miles away from L.A. and did ridiculously dangerous stuff. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like Dragon yep. Ball Z. Yeah, well, he, he got a, um, you know, he got an X-ray in the mid 30s, and you are like, "When did you break your neck?" <laughs> 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 because in Sherlock Jr., a bunch of like too much water came out of the water tower, and ah, I got, I'm getting headaches now. And they're like, "Oh, you actually broke your neck when you did that." <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Jesus>. <laughs> that reminds me of Jackie Chan.
0: Similar. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. yeah. yeah, they're totally the same. Yeah, the same slot and their you know respective eras. Uh, w- There's which a good is not... line
1: in Jackie Chan's autobiography where he's like, "At one point, I'd broken every bone in my body except this one bone in my foot, and then I was just playing with knives between takes, and I dropped one on my foot."
0: <laughs> <laughs> playing with knives, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess not. That doesn't really equate to Hitchcock because yeah, this is kind of like you know the height of '50s production, but you can see some of the themes of '50s production. I'm still kind of working on if I like the fact that I see all this now or I hate it. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Um.
2: <laughs> you can, uh, It's like the last time, the last couple of times I watched Wizard of Oz, it sort of shifted for me into, wow, these sets are cool. I wish I could have hung out on these sets, mm. which is a different kind of appreciation than I think this is real. But it was still like really fun to watch it. I
0: think I would have felt creeped out on the Wizard of Oz sets, especially if nobody else was there.
2: Um, <laughs> I mean, if nobody else was there, they're probably behind a rock doing heroin or something.
0: Yeah. Now, here, <laughs> the, now, as far as the ones that I can't see in as uh, cool productions, uh, there's Ernie's, right? Eat at Ernie's. I hope Ernie's the mm-hmm. Muppet, right? Um, mm-hmm. But they just, you know, the production designers just recreated that restaurant as close as they could, like in the sound stage. Because and, Hitchcock
3: hated location, but he also borrowed the major D and the head waiter to come to be in the film. So I was there was a say, little catered. bit of catered, yeah. <laughs> Wow!
0: <laughs> so the people, the extras, did get to eat the the food from the proper restaurant being made on site. Nice. So that's yeah. that's that's the production That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. So
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like Hitchcock is constantly threading the needle between isolation and. uh, and uh, immersing himself in the all the city and forest and all that stuff which is pretty cool because that's sort of just how it is to be a person in the world (laughs) i don't know how else (laughs) to say that i think a lot of movies we've we watch on a regular basis are either like go full like social people are everywhere or it's like two people in a room somewhere and
1: it, it reminds me of the old um introvert or extrovert whereas i feel like For me, at least, it's I need both. If I spend a couple weekends around people, it's like I need a weekend where I don't see another human being. I just go in the woods. But if I haven't seen anyone for a while, it's like I want to make plans with my friends and see people and whatnot.
2: Yeah, I love uh, being around people, and I love living alone. It's like (laughs) those two things, the dichotomy of when I had friends who I convinced to move into the same apartment complex as me, and I could just walk over there, have friends, and then walk back to my house and be alone just at will. I mean, yeah, mean, pretty extent, good. extent they would tolerate me, yeah, it was great. <laughs> I just watch walk over there, with a glass of scotch. You're like, hey, in my bathrobe.
1: Yeah, that's why my favorite people are people who can they can be there, but you don't feel the need to hang out with them. Like my friend Master, who you've heard on podcasts, he would he would stay at my apartment for like a month at a time, but we could happily just leave each other alone and do our own thing. And then some of my other friends, they would crash at your house one night. And the next morning, like, oh some hey, what are we doing today? And it's like, Oh my god, leave me alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm doing stuff and you're leaving, ideally.
0: <laughs> what do you think happens
2: after this movie ends with Scotty? <laughs> I think uh, he asks Midge out and she says, It's too late, Scotty. He slaps him, okay. Yeah, slaps him. That'd be great. <laughs> I think that's what happens. And then she gives him a painting of, of him alone. With some know, in a tower, she, while someone's she, falling off, she painted that. <laughs> <laughs> she was down at the, on the mission lawn painting it as it happened. <laughs> I'm I'm making she this way more elaborate answer than it needs to be.
3: I have an answer. It's the alternate ending, which is that you know some people didn't like that, or some countries like these are really general terms, but there was an alternate ending that was made so that the villain could be punished. And so there's it's less than two minutes. It's on YouTube, and what happens is the next scene after that, the ending is Midge in her apartment hearing on the radio that the. Uh, The Gavin is being like tracked down and going to be held accountable. And then Jimmy Stewart comes in and they like have a drink together, but they don't talk. So it's like they're together again as friends, but like they, you know, so what happens is that they sort of connect again, but you know, he's sort of not the
0: same. So
1: Did they film that or did they have some footage of the two of them having a drink and dub in a radio voice?
0: No, it's
3: it's footage you can see it. It's on YouTube. No, no, so no. I, no. I mean, follow. did they
1: film it especially, or did they use footage they already have of the two of them not talking, and add in a? Radio no, no,
3: they filmed it. As, well, I mean, I guess That's I didn't fair. dissect it. That's a good yeah. question. But I I had read that it was specifically shot as not Okay. I think
0: so, yeah, understand. the fact that really they really? Don't
1: have lines and stuff it makes. Me yeah, work.
0: fifty I don't censorship would have been. I think the worry with censors in the 50s would not be okay with the fact that the villain of the tale did not get his comeuppance.
2: Although I might call Scotty the villain. Of the movie. He, is. <laughs> he is not terribly innocent. And, and, and you know, probably the, the my gut reaction if I'd actually thought about it rationally is he'd probably be in trouble. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he
1: dragged her up there.
0: He's the Joker right the end, right? It's like, you know, yeah. psychological torture for everyone. It's too late. You're with crazy Jimmy now so no, but he he's, have the, he's batman puns, and, not so and Judy's the joker
2: gadgets yeah <laughs> because the joker falls off the tower and mm-hmm. batman threw him off the tower uh, he he told her did you ever dance in the pale moonlight no with no the J- devil? Like, jimmy
0: is jimmy is is the joker and, and she's back girl being thrown off the tower
2: oh yeah that probably happened
0: <laughs> that seems <laughs> to work a little better anyway yeah um but yeah the point was they were like oh the the quote unquote the guy who actually did like intentional murder needs to get his comeuppance or that's a problem in the late 50s uh, mm. the other I, I guess the bigger one that is in the movie is in the book it's not revealed until the end what the deal is um, and the movie is going to be that way too and they it, it was like they weren't the screenwriter added in the letter writing scene they filmed it Hitchcock almost took it out before release again so um because, you know, that means like we have like a third of the movie where we know it's up, right? Where mm. otherwise it would have been, you wouldn't know that till the very end. So I, but I, I think
1: finding out at the end, it would have felt more like a cheap twist, I think. Yeah, I thought like-
3: Hitchcock approved that change because he said that suspense isn't about what you don't know. It's about, you know, the fact that you do know and you're watching that unfold when the characters do not. So I thought mm. that Hitchcock did say to reveal it earlier. Because
2: that was better for the overall story. I, I also like the reveal because I was cringed the fuck out that whole time. Well, while he was like trying to dress her up, and I'm like, I know that she knows. Yeah, that was. Uh...
1: Yeah, that if, if you'd had the reveal later, you'd have seen him being pretty terrible. Oh, and it would have felt like, oh, and here's an excuse. It's actually fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of my box that just came in the mail, right on the back of the box, it does have this quote. Always yeah, the audience suffer as much as possible. <laughs> nice. That's what our podcast is all about. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay. <laughs> um, Does anyone have a, a big point? And uh, uh, of course, Dorian, you have your paper notes. I don't know if I we've missed so many notes, notes I
3: took. I totally overprepared. I didn't really serve you so many more people. But okay, can <laughs> I say a couple things? Yeah, um, go ahead. Okay, so let me get this cool quote I had about color because the colors of red and green really do show up a lot. And so there's a lot of theory about that, and I'm not going to read it all, but there is a YouTube video about it. And there's a quote from Oral Crave, the name of the website. If red is the color of obsession, love, and the vertigo that the protagonist suffers, green is the spectral color of the distortion of reality. But so that was a cool quote. So much more about colors if you want to delve into that part of the film theory.
0: Well, I do know one of the big selling points of the 97, 70 millimeter one was how green the glow is when Madeline is recreated. <laughs> like, because, uh, you know, for years, people have been seeing on relatively washed out film and the effect was not clear for the past 30 years or so uh, when, when you first saw that. But, yeah, it is a trippy glow. Uh, soft focus. And, and that's another technique that I'm kind of glad we're not too deep on anymore. But... <laughs>
3: It was soft and it looked granular sometimes too. Like when they're in the graveyard, it looks almost like a 16 print blown up. It's so, I don't know if that's because it was too bright or what was going on, but it's not just hazy. It's just like bleated and granulated too. So that was distracting. Maybe because I read it in your notes before I watched the film, but um, yeah, I agree that, that it really, some things are so crisp and other things are, are more than just hazy for the effect it seems. But maybe, maybe that's me being critical, but.
0: Apparently, they left Carlotta's gravestone in a real cemetery for several years.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll say this: I definitely started to think, "Is Carlotta real? Is Carlotta possessing?" I was, um, I was really like uh, sucked in by that whole thing. I, 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 I knew it wasn't going to be a ghost story, but I was like, maybe it will be a ghost story.
1: Well, I haven't watched never. much Hitchcock, so. In my head, it was entirely possible this could have been a supernatural film.
3: Hmm. What's a good plan?
2: Relatively, I haven't watched that many. I think I've seen about five or six, seven. I think he has 30, right? (laughs) This is my second. (laughs) (laughs) The worst, this is the worst, is that I said this on Facebook. I was like, it's my New Year's resolution this year to watch every Hitchcock film. And that was, I think, 20 12 <laughs> it's like a very old promise that i completely broke
3: there are 68 credited films on imdb so it's it's a lot of them and it starts yeah. in the silence so you know um there is one other thing i want to mention which is kim novak who just turned 90 in february um i think she deserves a shot actually vera miles is also alive too at age 93 but uh kim novak is an artist and she lives in Oregon. She's a painter and she has a horse named Poet. So nice. <laughs> I thought nice. that was too cool not to mention. So good for Kim <laughs> and good for Vera. And uh, it's nice that they're still around. So I guess I guess that's all I have. Well, I guess those good.
1: are my notes. The other thing I need to bring up is that one of my best friends is called James Stewart. You've heard him on podcasts, Mark. That's Jas. Oh, okay. In the <laughs> Zelda one and the Monster <laughs> one.
2: Okay, cool sometimes it's hard it's hard there's like jess and and mass and Muss.
1: yeah well there's also there's jay and jess are both called james and both <laughs> scottish so
2: <laughs> i'm 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 pretty Everyone's good at keeping them straight the at this james. point i think they and then really me and mus
1: words. both have james as a middle name so we could just all go by james and be really obnoxious if we wanted
2: <laughs> it'd be like a confederacy of jameses james james
0: yep. james james and james yeah I just know I, uh... the name's
1: James 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 James
2: <laughs> hey you could have the James James Joe you do barely even have nice. to change the name of it
0: <laughs> um I guess the, the other thing since we're on a Jimmy Stewart movie is I, I don't think I brought maybe I brought it up but uh at my father's high school graduation my grandmother apparently kept getting kneed in the back by Jimmy Stewart the whole time because he <laughs> went to his son went to the same school
2: <laughs> okay I um weird confession is that i just had the craving after watching this to go back and watch the uh the thing on snl where jim carrey did the the jimmy stewart impression and he like beat everybody with the with the foam baseball bat
0: i don't know if i've seen that i have to go on, on pretty
2: on snl on snl this was like sort of the very end of snl being good so it was like 1997 or something like that. <laughs> but it was, um it was like the joe pesci show and jim carrey guests as jimmy stewart on that but then somebody else plays jim carrey and jim carrey like beats himself to death and then he beats joe pesci to death and then he hits a cameraman and he's just going like Aah! it's it's pretty funny it's
3: 100 <laughs> on youtube so
0: there you go yep. that an oh, that is ruined, <laughs> um is it a film
2: is it filth <laughs> <laughs> this film, yeah, dude. Yeah, you can't really. Yeah. Them,
0: like, uh, it, so I guess the question is: Is there anything uh filthy about it? Then I mean, I mean, I mean like, Scotty's S- kind of filthy. Scotty's behavior kind of, is pretty
2: filthy. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he gets he gets nothing but he gets nothing but come up and nothing but bad things happen to him the whole time. So I yeah. feel pretty satisfied that the haze code has been fulfilled and that the <laughs> bad guy got his comeuppance. Will that end up on the cutting? Room floor, in florida right <laughs> i mean one of the bad guys got away maybe he just flew into the sun or something <laughs> i mean a few good well, he got punished by though. going to europe yeah that mm-hmm. was it.
0: <laughs> i mean ernie's looked like a pretty hip restaurant i want to eat there he had at least what two or three nice meals no a lot they kept with, with judy kept going to ernie's every night he's like
2: mm. i'm pretty know. sure he had a great wonderful life and then retired to great wonderful european life and probably didn't Joe. feel any shame
3: was that
2: a That's joke one- that you said he had a wonderful life? Yes. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, it was actually not intent,
0: not intended, but not intended. <laughs> I, the 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 um thought also went through through my thunker. So, <laughs> okay. So um, do, have we
2: seen a Twilight Zone episode that has this many people falling out of a window? Because I think we have.
1: I no. already made that joke in the uh,
2: synopsis. Mark. <laughs> okay, damn oh, it, <laughs> Mark wasn't there for
0: that. Um, the one where they, the um, the camera, the camera, the camera one. one yes, oh yeah, like three camera. of them fall out that window. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's supposed to be like entertaining by that point, right?
2: Yeah. Okay. Oh, it was entertaining here too.
0: Ah, sorry. I'm trying to look up the one star reviews on my phone, but it's harder to do the, the um, of oh, filter by rating. Okay, there we go. Okay, looking for a one one star review, a real one star review, right? Yeah. Uh, this one looks that one's too long. That's a tome that doesn't get to get read. I had people this right, up
2: yesterday and I lost it.
0: You had I had what one of
2: Mark. Uh, Great
0: job, man! All the reviews you. are long. Okay, and here's one. It's it's what's oh they give it a the okay. This is interesting. I'm going to read part of this one because you know how we don't like it when they give it a
2: like it's a one star review but they give it a six specifically mm. that's what we're trying to avoid yes
0: yeah so i was about to say oh here's one but then i noticed it's not eight out of ten it's point oh eight out of ten
2: <laughs> okay that's
0: that's okay then so okay let's I, i'll i'll try and uh, do the summary of this because it's kind of all of the vertigo reviews are long because i guess you have decided good bad review whatever you've decided to be a film scholar here yep. we go Once again, bow down, scrape your heels, knuckle your forehead for no good reason at all. I watched a so-called masterpiece for a class assignment and I was actually looking forward to it, so I can't be held to expectations of poor quality and I can only think of one word to explain my feelings on this movie. Why? (laughs) Why Why did they leave the unnecessary 30 to 45 minutes in there? Why was this film so horrendously acted, directed, filmed, and edited? Where else to go on the plot? Yeah, they're pretty much... uh,
1: I uh, like the one above that. Did Hitchcock allow his assistant to direct? (laughs) I first saw this film in the mid-80s, and again recently. The words which come immediately to mind to describe it are tedious and pointless. Words one does not usually associate with Hitchcock. Overrated does not even come close. Perhaps someone will produce a restored version of Vertigo with an extra hour or two of San Francisco street scenes. (laughs) Vertigo is already more like a travelogue than a narrative.
0: Okay, I, I went a little deeper um, in here, and there's, there's definitely some fun stuff about the acting here. Stiff overdone. No, sir, audience. I'm not reading my lines from cue cards crap. Uh, James Stewart was quite possibly the worst choice. He only has one speed. Merry Christmas, bell tower. Kim Novak was hardly any better. Her kirky-cutter character. I dare you not to love me. No, wait. I'm untouchable. No, wait. Help me. No, wait.
2: I've been saved. <laughs> would have been served up more convincingly by James Stewart himself in a dress. okay i found the one that i was going to read okay awful garbage by edward carter the use of color is probably the only good thing about this slow and boring overlong dated film the first half is much too long and slow and the repetitive driving scenes quickly become very tiresome kim novak was always a poor actress and looks ridiculous with her bleached platinum blonde hair and thick dark eyebrows Far too many scenes take place in the studio on very fake-looking sets with painted backdrops. The opening scene is ruined because it is so fake, not that cops would be chasing a criminal over rooftops anyway. By By far the worst thing, however, is the dreadful miscasting of Grandfather Stewart as Scotty. Stewart was clearly far too old to be playing romantic leads at this point in his career, and he actually looked more than twice Kim Novak's age. She was 24, and he was 49, though he looked at least 55. <laughs> his gray wig is laughably bad, and he just looks like an ugly old man chasing after his granddaughter. With a younger, better-looking actor like Marlon Brando, this film might have been at least watchable. 69 out of 128 found this helpful.
0: I thought you were going to say 69 out of 10 was the rating, which was going to be impressive. Okay, like the, like the real rating. That's a high right?
2: rating. 69
1: I out
0: of like,
1: 10? I like the title of this one. Not as bad as Rope, but pretty bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got more shots than Rope. <laughs> um, I guess we'll get wrapping it up. Uh, as far as I'm, look- I'm staring at my list, Dorian, it looks like you're back for Eternal Sunshine, which I believe stresses Mark out. Oh,
3: no, I that mean- I've only seen once, so it's going to be all new practically when I see it, so I'm excited
2: it doesn't stress me out i just didn't like We'll we'll get into it whenever that happens okay well, stay I, I did for... not like the the characters i have watched it for 10 or 20
1: years so i remember almost nothing
0: mm. okay i guess uh, i guess i'll ramble what's up with us today then uh this being films and filth uh, you can throw us a dime on patreon and get episodes early and and Longer versions of the episodes where Mark screams at his computer for a
2: minute. <laughs> That's uh, right. You only get me at this level unless you pay <laughs> money.
0: <laughs> That's uh, on Patreon, Podcastio, Podcastius, where we do lots of podcasts. We mention the Twilight Zone a bit. Uh, I do time of podcasts where I talk about all the episodes of the Twilight Zone. There is a call Disney. Where I talk about the weird things in Disney films. Uh, Luke loves Pokemon. It's that's I love do. of Pokemon. He loves Zelda too, but that's not the name of that one. That's Hyrule Field Report, which is what two episodes and now.
1: Maybe by the time this comes out, the be. Oh, wait, no, it's not, this one about like no, singing in the rain. There'll be oh, a
0: couple yeah. out. Uh, two weeks. Okay. You get a few of those. And uh, if you've been hardcoring the new Zelda game and the game, game show where gamers, the James, James show, show where gamers, James themselves about James. <laughs> games, games show. Okay. Sorry, I just test t- t- road testing your new title there.
3: Okay, wait. I have a question. Is it going to come out on May twenty eighth? Because that would be the sixty fifth anniversary of its release. Vertigo.
0: Whoa! Wow. Uh. Well, now it does because it was June first, so three days early could probably happen. Yeah.
3: <laughs> cool. That's fantastic. I
1: love it. Okay.
0: Nice. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand don't get vertigo. I'm gonna stand um. in my chair and then <laughs> fall out and then and then destroy this cd case with my my foot has happened a few weeks ago <laughs> oh no
1: <laughs> i'm gonna go and try and blow my head inside out
2: <laughs> i'm gonna go to sleep and see if i get an animated sequence out of it
1: <laughs> i went to sleep the other night and just dreamed about zelda so
2: i think yeah it was the same to say. I think hard same <laughs> just dream about trying to solve things